Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Boy, today's conversation's around the gig economy. I, I, I Now that I'm better understanding exactly what the gig economy is, I realize now that I have been living in that economy for several years and in the world that I have built for myself and my business and how I run my media company is by a bunch of other folks that are in the gig economy. And and I guess I live in a bubble and, and appreciate it, understand it, and recognize what a wonderful life I have living in it. Uh, so there's a lot of you out there who are not living in the gig economy. And I think this will be a really interesting conversation to help you better understand what it is, how to thrive in it, and frankly, how to maybe transition from a more traditional business opportunity to a role in the gig economy. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Say hello to my guest. Her name is Diane Mulcahy. She's the author of a new book coming out soon called The Gig Economy, The Complete Guide to Getting Better Work, Taking More Time Off, and Financing the Life You Want. Diane, welcome to the show. Good morning, Todd. Thank you. Uh, it's good to have you. I appreciate you making time to join me. I know you got this book launch coming real soon, so I know you're awfully busy getting ready for that. Before we get into a conversation around the gig economy, take a, a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're out there doing. Sure. So obviously, I'm in favor of the gig economy. And that book is really based on an MBA class that I created and have been teaching at Babson College here in Boston, where I'm based uh, for the past five years. So uh, I started teaching the class and started keeping track of my students' perspectives and stories and ideas and noting the exercises that help them prepare for succeeding in the gig economy and have incorporated all of that into my book. Well, I mean, uh, we could talk for hours about the course that you teach at Babson. And, and as we were talking pre-show, Babson is kind of, in my view anyway, the preeminent educational opportunity to immerse yourself in the world of entrepreneurialism, which I think is one way that I look at the gig economy. But I imagine if you're listening to this and you uh, you stand up 10 people and say, define the gig economy, I, I suspect it's one of those areas where you might get 10 different answers. And so it's probably important to lead off this conversation and have you explain exactly what is the gig economy and how permanent is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way that I talk about the gig economy is basically everything that's not a full-time job. So it can include part-time work, consulting gigs, being a contractor, having freelance assignments, or being an on-demand worker. So it encompasses everything that's not a full-time job. And the gig economy is very prevalent. There was actually a report that just came out last week that from McKinsey's Global Institute that estimated 20 to 30% of the working age population is now involved in and engaged in independent work. And that is growing. There was a recent study by some economists at Harvard and Princeton that said that over the past decade, all of the net employment in the U.S. has come from alternative and independent work, not from full-time jobs. So it's a part of the economy that is big and getting bigger. 
So there's obviously those. Also, one quick key point is is you you don't have to be in one or the other. You you can have a full time job, but still do some freelance work after hours and and still be utilizing and thriving within a gig economy, right? That is absolutely true. And there are a lot of workers that have a full-time job, recognize that there is no more job security, and they are supplementing their experiences and their income by pursuing what I call side gigs. So as you said, a freelance assignment on the side, maybe some consulting work, working independently with private clients, whatever the case may be. But that is a very common situation in today's workforce. But business is shifting, right? I mean, there. I look back at my father's generation, and he was of the era where he got in with the corporation very early in his business career. And although he did change jobs a few times over the course of his career, he could have stayed within that organization, that corporation, for the duration of his of his career and retired with that gold watch. That was very common back then. And frankly, you talked about job security. Uh, there, there, there. Well, there was job security. There, there, it's very different now. I mean, talk about what's driving this this shift towards the gig economy. And and how I think we have shifted away from this career-based one job at a large corporation mindset to a more project-based career where you're working from gig to gig to gig. Talk about how this is how this is shifting and, and what's driving this shift. Yeah, we absolutely have shifted away from what I call the traditional job-based economy that you've described, where. You had one job with one employer, and you could expect to have that job for a couple of decades. Now most people have what I call short jobs, and they only last from, say, two to five years. And there's a lot more mobility and turnover in the job market. But there are really three drivers that are influencing the growth of the gig economy and moving us away from that traditional jobs-based economy. The first driver is that full-time jobs are simply disappearing. Companies aren't creating them. If you look at the rate of full-time job growth in the economy, it is at historic lows and has been at historic lows for the past half decade and shows no signs of recovering. In addition, Young new businesses, which were traditionally a driver of job growth, have slowed in terms of the number of jobs that they're contributing to the economy. And that also shows no signs of recovery. The second driver is that for many companies, full-time employees are now the worker of last resort. So instead of preferring full-time employees as their labor force, many companies are avoiding them. And that's because policymakers have chosen to perpetuate a labor market where employees are the most expensive source of labor and they're the most inflexible. So companies are looking at any other alternative besides hiring full-time employees in order to save costs and gain flexibility in their labor force. So they are automating, outsourcing, contracting, whatever they can do to avoid hiring that very expensive and rigid full-time employee. And the third driver, most importantly, I think, is that workers themselves are really seeking out 
gig economy work. Workers are, have, have figured out that there is no job security and that there is more some, some level of security that can be had by building a portfolio of work, a portfolio of diverse gigs. And they're also seeking the flexibility, the autonomy, and the control that you can get in the gig economy and that most full-time employees lack. There's a whole body of academic research that shows that control and flexibility are huge drivers of satisfaction in, on the job, and most employees don't have that. So they're turning to the gig economy to get it, and they're much more satisfied. Well, as we record this, I'm looking at my studio window, and I'm in a high-rise in Chicago, Illinois, and I see dozens and dozens of high-rise buildings full of probably full-time employees. But I also think that there's a... There's an organizational shift internally. I mean, my wife works for a large, internationally renowned organization that has offices globally. And, and But even she now works from home. And they're trying to reduce their footprint on real estate and all these big office complexes. I mean, are you seeing that there's a even a, even an internal shift to large organizations that are and you, touch, and you touched on this a minute ago, but I, I think you're starting to see this happen even in large organizations that have a lot of full-time employees, right? Yeah, you're starting to see that shift. It's a bit slower than I think we would have expected given the benefits of having employees work remotely. I mean, there is no study that says that sitting in a cube for eight hours a day maximizes either productivity or satisfaction. But there are a lot of studies that say that employees really prefer the flexibility and the autonomy to work from home or work from the office and are more productive. And certainly for companies, being able to reduce their real estate costs and offer employees the chance to have greater control over where and when they work should be driving remote work at a much higher rate than it is. I think for, for companies, it can be very difficult, particularly when you have old school managers, it can be very difficult to let go of the perceived control of having employees come to the office. So I think that one's going to take a little bit more time. Now, when I graduated from university now a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I, the whole your whole status, your whole how society saw you was this whole experience of going through university was to get a job. Now, today, I mean, I imagine even in your own class at, at Babson, you're telling your students to stop looking for a job. I mean, that's got to be so counterintuitive to so many people. Why are you telling them that? Well, I tell them that because the exercise that I have my students do in class is to actually sit down and write down and name the benefits that they're looking for in a job. And then I challenge them to write down where can they find those same benefits from a portfolio of work, a portfolio of diversified gigs. And at the end of that exercise, what we find is the things, the characteristics of a job, whether it's finding interesting and challenging work or connecting with colleagues or generating income or gaining skills and expertise or positioning yourself for future opportunities, 
all of those things you can obtain from a diverse portfolio of gigs. So you're not really giving up anything by moving into an independent work situation, but what you are gaining is a lot more control over the work that you do, where you do it, when, how, and how much, and you're gaining a lot more control over the trajectory of your career. And ultimately, when students do that exercise, they realize, wow, there are a lot of really good benefits and upsides to pursuing work in the gig economy. Mm, Absolutely. All right. Diane Mulcahy and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see and create opportunity for yourself. You take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, Go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, we're back with Diane Mulcahy, the author of a new book, The Gig Economy. So, Diane, you've said several times in the top half of the show this idea of creating a and building a diversified portfolio of gigs or independent work opportunities. Exactly what is that and, and why is that so important here? And what's the advantage of doing just that? Well, I think the biggest advantage of having a portfolio of gigs versus one full-time job is diversification. So if you think about all the advice you've ever gotten from your financial planner or from reading anything in the financial or investment press, it's diversification reduces risk. And the same thing goes for our work lives and our career. You know, if you if you have one full-time job with one employer, you have a lot of eggs in the basket of that employer. You're counting on that company for your job, for your income, for your retirement savings, for your health insurance, all of those things. If you're an independent worker in the gig economy, you can diversify your job experiences, the type of work that you do, the income that you generate across a portfolio of gigs. So if you lose one client or one project falls through, that doesn't mean your income goes from 100 to zero like it does if you're laid off from a job. It gives you a much better cushion, both financially and professionally. That's the biggest advantage, I think, of having a portfolio of gigs instead of a job. Well, the way I look at it in terms of the work I do is I I would very much say that I'm a generalist in some of the things I do in media and media production. And I think that well-rounded skill set that I've developed over the years, and I'll be honest with you, I stumbled into that. I certainly didn't go into this with this plan of building this diversified portfolio of skills. <laughs> but what do you say, I mean, I understand why that's so important, especially if, if, if you're going to make a career out of the gig economy, because this ain't going anywhere anytime soon, if ever. This, But what do you say to the person who has either believes or has been taught or has been coached and counseled to say, no, develop one very specialized niche skill that no one else can do as well as you do, 
and then you will always find work. It's like the left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball. If you're a good pitcher and left-handed pitcher in baseball, you're always going to find work. What do you say to that person? I, I, I can get that too, but is that enough to th- survive and thrive in the gig economy? I mean, I, I think having expertise is, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the gig economy. I still think in, that you can go deep and broad. And the example I like to use is I'm a writer and I can go very deep into developing that craft by writing a book like I just did, by writing articles. I can try my hand at short stories. I can you know, look at different uh, genres of writing that I could do. So I can, I can deepen the skill that I have through taking on a broad, diverse range of writing assignments. And I think the same applies in the gig economy. You can still have deep expertise and apply it broadly across a range of gigs. I'm not sure that answers your question, so tell me if it didn't. Oh, no, it absolutely does. I mean, th- 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 okay. this is not an exact science, this gig economy. That's part of what we're going through is figuring this out. I think if you and I have a conversation in five years' time, it would be a, a more advanced and we would have a clearer picture on some of these nuances to it. It's fascinating to kind of think about and see how it evolves. Now, Diane, when I look at, at the subtitle of the book, The Complete Guide to Getting Better Work, Taking More Time Off, and Financing the Life You Want. Now, I understand this getting better work because the way I have crafted my business and my life is that I do work that I care about, that I'm passionate about. I work with clients that I choose that themselves are doing things that I can get excited about. So I understand the getting better work. I certainly understand the taking more time off because I am in control. And then if, you know, just literally 45 minutes before you and I went to air, my wife and I walked down the street to go to a farmer's market. I could do that. And I have the flexibility to live the life on my terms and and do things when and what I want to do. But I think where a lot of people get hung up on this and what I think is, is very scary and, and wards a lot of people off this idea of, of diving into the gig economy is the financial side of this. I mean, because one of the advantages, I suppose you could say, of a more traditional full-time job is the security, is the standard paycheck, is maybe health benefits, is a retirement plan perhaps, but even those aren't even guarantees anymore. Talk about how uh, you can finance the life you want because, you know, there are some people that just can't handle it, that they make money in one month and zero dollars the next. Walk us through some of the key things to think about in terms of the finance side of this. Yeah, and you're right that that is a a big issue. And, you know, there is something very comforting that, that, you know, that people derive a great sense of security from getting a paycheck every week. I think where I would differ in your assessment is that there really is no job security anymore, anywhere. So I think relying on that paycheck for any kind of medium to long-term time frame is risky. And that's where, you know, if I think the first step in understanding how to deal with finances in the gig economy is really accepting and getting your head around the fact that there is no job security anymore. And at any time, you could be laid off, downsized, right-sized, outsourced, you know, replaced with a contractor, whatever it is. Once you start getting your head around that, you begin to realize that, wow, it really makes sense for me to have something on the side if I'm working a full-time job or to be thinking about my next opportunity because in case something happens at my job, I want to make sure I have 
something else lined up that I'm not, you know, left unemployed or without earning income for a long period of time. That same mentality very easily transfers over into the gig economy and is the same mindset that allows you to create a diverse portfolio of gigs. The idea is that you're always looking for work, thinking about what's next, opening up new opportunities, trying to keep a pipeline full, doing things on the side, and planning for your next gig. In there are, you know, when I did the interviews for this book, there were a lot of gig economy workers, people who had built up their own work life in the gig economy, who said they feel a lot more secure and a lot, a lot more financially safe in the gig economy because they feel like they are not relying on the whim of one employer for their entire income stream. They feel a lot more in control of their finances by having multiple gigs and multiple projects. And yes, if one falls through, they might experience a dip in income, but there's still the rest of them that will keep them afloat. Well, we I, could so have that's a on whole, the income side. Yeah. We can have a whole other conversation on, on the idea that, that you may be getting this weekly salary check and you may be making more money doing that way. But I think you're ultimately going to find, too, that, that making less money but having the control and freedom and flexibility to live life on your terms, do business on your terms, is a far more enriching experience than actually making more money. Yeah, and, in, you know, in the gig economy, you also have a lot of control. I mean, if, if you decide, hey, you know, I want to blow it out this Christmas, you can pick up more work. Right. Or if you, you know, so I think there's more control, too, over your income stream uh, should you choose to exercise that control. And I think on the expense side, you know, it's really our traditional kind of American dream, this sort of highly leveraged house, the car, the goods, all of this really was built on the foundation of having a steady income over several decades. And that allowed people to take on huge amounts of debt and make these enormous purchases. I think in the gig economy, you know, it does require you to be a little bit more thoughtful and contemplative about, well, what is the lifestyle that I want to choose? And is there a way I can build in some flexibility? So what we're seeing is people are buying apartments or houses, but they're renting them or they're airbnb them if they have a, a month where they have lower income. Or maybe they're not buying. Maybe they're buying much later or much smaller, and they're renting in the interim. You know, I live in the city. I don't own a car. I use Zipcar and Uber. Now I don't have to pay all of the fixed costs associated with having a car. So people are structuring their financial lives in very different ways. And I think one of the biggest trends to emerge in the gig economy that has been hugely impactful for people's finances is this ability to access instead of own. I can access a car. I don't have to buy one. I can access a place to live. I don't have to buy it. I can access music and entertainment and so many things. So this idea that I have to have all this money in order to buy things or take on all this debt in order to buy things, that's increasingly a choice, a financial choice that people make in the gig economy. So on both the revenue and the expense side, there is flexibility to make different choices in the gig economy and, and make the financing side work. Yeah, well, you and I seem to have very similar life paths because I've done the same thing. I, I moved up to Chicago and my wife and I sold both of our cars and, and we now access transportation rather than own transportation. And I got to tell you, 
Most people would say, well, not having a car would be terribly constricting. I'm going to tell you, I've never felt more free not having that. But but free because of the burden of not having to worry about parking my car and, and maintaining my car and fueling my car. I mean, it's just, it's been a wonderful thing. The whole point of the story is, is, yes, this is doable. And you can live a highly enriching, satisfying life and, and have a enormously exciting, diverse, engaging career and not make as much money. I mean, so that there's there's countless, countless, countless examples of people who are doing just that, and they're more satisfied and more happy than ever. Uh, one, one quick. But I would also say, I I would just also say that you can actually make a lot more money in the gig economy too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are a lot of examples. Some of them I interviewed in my book who talk about, you know, they left their full time job, went out on their own, and they are not only happier, more flexible, but they're definitely making more than they used to. And they are, they can't even imagine going back to full-time, being uh, holding a full-time job. Yeah, no, that's, that's an important point to make. Thank you for that. Hey, I do have one final question, but before I go there, one quick question I do have for you where I want you to comment is, is, do you have any advice and counsel to someone who is who is trying to thrive in the gig economy and how to do it right? I mean, I, I, I work with a lot of uh, contractors at the business I do and people that are doing my post-production work and doing my video work and doing my audio work and doing a lot of different things, design and developing work for the various media entities that we do. And I'm going to be honest with you, working with some of them is an extreme pleasure because they're good at what they do. And, and, and others, it's a very frustrating experience because I don't know that they're necessarily maximizing their ability to to thrive in the gig economy. And and the biggest example I can think of is just their ability to communicate. Because frankly, most people I work with are spread all over the planet. And so communication becomes a critical element. So communication is an obvious thing. If you're going to be trying to live and operate and thrive in the gig economy, you need to really hone your communication skills with the people that you're doing project work for. Any other comments on some things to some skills to, to sharpen and, 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 and strengthen uh, if you're going to make a go of it in this gig economy? Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest the biggest change is probably one of mindset. What I talk about in my book is, you know, going from this traditional employee mindset of basically getting a job and then outsourcing all of your financial security, your professional development, your career progression, basically just in a kind of passive reactive way, outsourcing all of that to the company you're working for. That is not going to serve anybody well in the gig economy. So I think the biggest change or the or the biggest piece of advice I would have is to change your mindset to something that is more proactive, more entrepreneurial, if you will something where you're focused on developing your own opportunities, thinking about your own career progression and development, managing your own finances. So it's a much more internal sense of control rather than externally giving it over to somebody else. And it really is entrepreneurial, thinking about creating your own opportunities, developing your own skills, expanding your own networks. That, I think, is the biggest difference between people who succeed in the gig economy and the ones that struggle is the mindset, changing your mindset to be more proactive, more opportunity-focused, and more entrepreneurial. Mm, Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, final question. So someone who's either listening to this and has said, okay, I'm in, I want to make this transition, or has been thinking about it for a while and now is finally ready to, to make that big step 
any any counsel you can provide on how to begin to create that exit strategy to quit the 24-7 job and, and, and transition into uh, the gig economy? Absolutely. And, you know, in my, I, I have an exercise that I have readers do in the book about how to create an exit strategy to leave your job. But I think what I would say to people who are currently in a full-time job and interested in the gig economy, I would say two things. One, start doing it. And two, go slow. There's no rush here. If you're in a full-time job, you know, enjoy that, maximize your savings, build up your financial cushion, maximize the benefits that you get through your employer, make a plan for exiting your job, and start doing some side gigs, start doing some consulting, some contract work, some freelance assignments on the side, and start building that up while you have the, uh, the short-term security of a full-time job. And by doing that, you can start to slowly get the skills, get the mindset, and get the experience to launch into the gay economy in a more substantial way over time. But just start doing it and start it slowly. Hmm. Starting, taking action, and doing it slowly and methodically. Boy, that advice applies to virtually every facet of our lives, doesn't it? <laughs> and it certainly applies here. That's uh, absolutely great stuff. So, Diane, about out of time, sadly. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions? How can they contact you? Where can they learn more about your coursework at Babson? And most importantly, where will they be able to get a copy of The Gig Economy? The Gig Economy is available on Amazon. And they can find more information about me on my website, which is dianemulcahy.com. All right. Diane Mulcahy, the author of the new book, The Gig Economy, The Complete Guide to Getting Better Work, Taking More Time Off, and Financing the Life You Want. Diane, great to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, the pleasure has been mine. All right. All the time we have for now. Again, on behalf of my guest, Diane Mulcahy, I am Todd Schneck. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>